You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. When talking about attention deficit hyperactive disorder or ADHD, most people would automatically picture hyperactive little boys. In fact, the biggest myth about ADHD is that girls don't have the disorder in the first place. However, ADHD affects both girls and boys at roughly the same rate. Alarmingly, some studies have estimated that anywhere between 50 to 70% of girls who present with ADHD symptoms are diagnostically missed. So how do we change this? Joining us today is Dr. Caroline Stevenson from ADHD Australia. Hi, Caroline. How are you? Hello. Now, we do have to clear up something before we start because we were confused before you came in. What is the difference between ADHD and ADD? ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, and ADD means Attention Deficit Disorder. Today, we diagnose everybody with Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder and then with a subtype. So we have three subtypes. We have what's called the inattentive type, a combined subtype where you're hyperactive and impulsive, and a pure impulsive hyperactive type. So we don't use the term ADD anymore. You're just ADHD with a particular subtype of the disorder. So ADD was used in the past, and we have this current way of diagnosing with a subtype. So what's happening in a child's brain if they are diagnosed with ADHD? Well, ADHD is a neurological condition. And so what, you know, current findings suggest is that you've got less activity in the frontal lobes of the brain. And that in that frontal lobes, you might get less blood flow and you've got less dopamine. So the the brain is less aroused and therefore kids feel either chronically bored and then try to stimulate themselves. So boys and girls have a very similar pattern. How does ADHD manifest differently in girls? That's a really interesting question. The main difference is that girls are more likely to present with the inattentive subtype and with anxiety, where boys are more likely to present with a combined subtype, which means they're more likely to be in um, hyperactive impulsive, and boys are more likely to have problems with aggression. So the girls get missed because they're more like the wallflowers that cause no problems. <laughs> and this seems to be a problem because um, we're saying that they're being missed. How can we actually pick up on it as parents, I guess, first? Yeah, I think the, you know, the issues in the classroom is they're actually much more daydreamy. And so because they're not causing problems, our biggest flag is that they're academically underachieving. And you'll probably find that they're quite disorganized and that they may have what's called an aversion to mental effort. Like it's that they don't actually want to do their homework or, you know, they're actually complaining of being bored or they're just not motivated. They just don't want to do things. I mean, again, it's a really interesting fact that we call this disorder attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, but many of the kids actually have more significant problems with being disorganized and an aversion to mental effort. Like they just can't push through when things are boring them or frustrating them. So it seems obvious to me the immediate impacts that can have on children if they go undiagnosed. But it also sounds like there must be lots of adults out there who were missed as children. Do we know what the long-term impact of um, missing out on this diagnosis early can be? 
Yes, again, like most of the outcomes for people missed in terms of their diagnosis are quite poor in terms of like, you know, you can have something as simple as just having low self-esteem or you're more likely to suffer from anxiety. You know, in the worst cases, you're more likely to end up in jail because you actually haven't had the supports and structures that enable you to learn. And, you know, your education is a great protective factor for your well-being. And so if you haven't done well at school you put put at all sorts of risks in terms of your mental health. And I can imagine much like children on the autism spectrum, when people aren't aware of it, they can be branded as, in a nice way, they could be branded as a daydreamer and in a not so nice way, they could say you're lazy, you're not trying and, and teachers might give them a hard time, which if you're a young kid and you're getting that, yes. can't bode well for your future. Yeah, and I would say the most common one that comes up for girls in particular is they're lazy, they just couldn't be bothered. But, you know, I, I actually say, well, what's the definition of lazy? Lazy means that I'm not doing it and I don't care. And the issue for many of the girls is that they care enormously, right? And they're actually quite distressed about the fact that they can't actually do the work and then they become anxious. And the most common diet diagnosis your misdiagnosis for ADHD in girls is anxiety and what age do we see this I mean I'm assuming that it's easier to pick up when children start school but what age are we looking at that that typically we might find this happening in children um, if you look diagnostically when people present is every time there's a shift in cognitive load so the first time you'd see presentations are kindergarten and it's because kids can't sit still and they can't follow the rules Year three, you get tend to get another shift because you've gone from sort of more rote learning to more problem solving. So you shift, shift, increase the demands on the child's brain, then you're likely to see problems. Then year seven, because you've got multiple classrooms, multiple teachers, high level, you know, demands on organisational skills. And so, as I said, that, you know, attention deficit disorder is broader than just poor attention. You've got those organisational deficits too. So year seven, like you tend to get a rise of presentations and then the HSC years. And there the biggest issue that you know kids with ADHD present with is procrastination because they start avoiding doing it because it's so hard and demanding on their organisational skills and that push through on mental effort. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. We're speaking with Dr Caroline Stevenson from ADHD Australia. Caroline, one of the things that I have heard over the years is people suggesting that ADHD is a nonsense diagnosis, that where just getting kids with lots of energy and giving them drugs. What would your response be to that kind of criticism? I mean, surely you've heard that sort of talk around. Yes, I think it's a, a really sad statement to make because ADHD is one of the most researched disorders of childhood that we actually have. And we have evidence in the literature back from 1902 in the Lancet of kids presenting with ADHD um, for treatment. I think the confusion comes because everybody feels like they have some of the symptoms. You know, I can't concentrate some days and, you know, I'm restless some days. So do you think I have ADHD? Well, probably not. <laughs> the, the, the concept of ADHD is it's a neurological condition. It begins in childhood and it impairs your functioning. It's a bit like saying, you know, I'm sad today. That means I'm not depressed. You know, like there is a sort of like a continuum. You can be sad all the way up to depression. You can have some mild symptoms that look like ADHD right the way up to a full-blown disorder where those symptoms are causing your impairment. 
if your child is displaying symptoms and you think this isn't just a temporary thing, I, I sense like parents have a really good gut instinct, don't they? If they feel something's actually wrong with their child, what do they do? Okay, the very first step would go and talk to GP and then that ask that GP for a referral to either a psychologist who specialises in ADHD or to a paediatrician who might be able to start the process of, you know, what steps need to be taken from that point. I think the very worst thing to do is to do nothing, but go seek some help. We've already mentioned that girls can be underdiagnosed. So this is a danger for parents. They might sense that something's not quite right for their girls take them to a doctor who perhaps doesn't know a lot about ADHD in girls. Um, Is that when you'd say, look, if you feel there's something going on, push forward, get a second opinion, speak to a paediatrician or... That's exactly what I would say. And clearly there are some GPs who have that similar attitude in the general community that it like doesn't exist. But, you know, we're all human beings and like some people do have that belief. And therefore I'd go go and seek another opinion from some someone else. You know, lots in every school you're going to have 5% of the kids with ADHD. There's somebody that's going to be able to give you a link to somebody who who is going to be able to support you. In the school system, the school counsellors are also a very good, you know, link into professionals and support and they, that, you know, that avenue could be used. What would you say to parents who have, again, listened to the media around ADHD and are afraid of an ADHD diagnosis because they're worried they'll have to put their children on medication and they don't like that idea? Yes. ADHD is really stigmatized and there's two stigmas really one is there's a perception that it's naughty kids and the other perception is you're going to put them on drugs which is like stimulants and no neither of those things is particularly helpful sort of images I mean people with ADHD are highly functional do very very well the most important thing is they they get the best treatment for themselves and in some cases that will be medication and for other people it won't that they can actually develop strategies to help them cope better. I mean kids need to learn how to listen to to process to organize themselves um, to push through mental effort to deal with procrastination and that's a whole lot of psychological strategies that can actually be taught. So people don't have to go down the medication route but, you know, if if you're looking at moderate to severe ADHD, you know, medication is an incredibly useful tool, but it's one tool in the toolbox. Caroline, there have been so many interesting things about this topic. Um, thank you so much for coming in and talking with us. Thank you. That was Dr. Caroline Stevenson from ADHD Australia. For resources and more information on ADHD and girls, just head along to kindling.com.au where you can find out more. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.